I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and take them way too seriously. On this episode of Way Too Seriously, we are talking about the uh, Pixar movie Inside Out. Um, Jan, would you like to tell us a bit about this movie? So Inside Out is came out in 2015. It was directed by Pete Docter and Ronnie Del Carmen. Uh, it stars Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, Lewis Black, Bill Hader, Mindy Colling. And it is, if you haven't seen it, it's a bit of a weird story, but it's the story of what's going on inside the little 11-year-old Riley's head, her five basic emotions, and joy and sadness going on an adventurous trip Well. Riley is dealing with moving to a to a new place. Right. So we've seen we watched this movie tonight, um, but we've seen this movie several times before, yeah. and our kids have seen it more times than we have. Yeah. Um, our kids love it, and I love it too. <laughs> so tip my hand. <laughs> do you think they did a good job making this movie? Let's talk first about performances. Okay. The main performance <laughs> in this movie is Joy, played by Amy Poehler. How do you think she does oh. in this movie? So good. <laughs> she's fantastic. Isn't yeah, she? she's like, so good. And so she's the perfect person for this role. She is very much like, I mean, her character of Leslie Note from Parks and Rec yep. is this very positive energy, you know, and not not every role she has does that, but she's very good at it, at being super positive, super uh, optimistic in, at, in any circumstance. And it yeah. really feels like in a lot of ways, Amy Puller had been around for a long time before... Uh, Parks and Rec had done a lot of things, especially on Saturday Night Live before Parks and Rec. But this is a role I think she would not have without Parks and Rec. Yeah. This is her playing like a little bit Leslie Nope and then some mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Um, and Phyllis Smith, who plays Sadness, also fantastic job. She, of course, comes from The Office and she wasn't an actress before The Office. And so this is her continuing being an actress and doing just like, I mean, she was never sad like this on The Office, but it's so, she she does such a perfect job. She's a perfect voice for it. She was always a sad sack on The Office. A little bit of a sad sack. She had her moments of sad She has a sad voice, I suppose, is really what it is. exactly. Uh, even she threw out on the office, she, you know, you can hear her, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, uh, so they're both playing, they're both, neither one of these actors is treading new territory for them. Not, not really, no. They're both playing to their strengths. Yeah. But they're both doing it very well. I yes. Think. They're absolutely. both very engaging, very funny. And they deliver a lot of lines really well. Yeah. Like the line of, you know, think positive, I'm positive we're going to die, you know. We'll just have to go around. Take the scenic route. Wait, Joy, you could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. That's long-term memory. Endless warning. Like that's a predictable joke that you've heard before, but well delivered. Exactly. How about uh, in terms of the other main emotions? Like, Joy and Sadness are the major characters. The other three emotions are, you know, they're not leads in the movie. Yeah. How do you think those three do? Well, like, I just feel like every voice is kind of perfect. I forgot to mention Richard Kind as Bing Bong. Oh, yes. Who also is very suited to that role. That sounds exactly like him, and he's a very recognizable voice, at least to me he is. Yeah. And... They're just all really spot on. I would say and 
Yeah, I feel like we're being really boring here because, like, yay, they're all really good. I would <laughs> just say, especially for the other three emotions, uh, but even in what we've already said about joy and sadness, this is not so much a triumph of acting as a triumph of casting. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all the perfect person to play yeah. this character, and they all play to their strengths. Yeah. None of them are being asked to do basically anything outside their wheelhouse. Yeah, and, like, to have, like, Lewis Black is anger. Like, who else would you get? Yeah. Who is the perfect comedian to be angry? I mean, there's probably a few, but Lewis Black really is the person to be anger. There's a strength to casting someone to mm-hmm. do what they do and do it well and continue to do it. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, Mindy Cowling, also from The Office. Yes. Originally, the office. Uh, she has moved on to other things since The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, that she doing great does discuss. Mm-hmm. Not as much actually uh, playing the same character as on The Office. Like she, yes. the, the kind of sarcastic rolling her eyes is something Mindy Calling does, but disgust specifically. I wouldn't say that Kelly from The Office is associated with disgust no, in my mind at all. Not really, not as much, no. She's a bit more of a mean girl. In terms of writing, how do you think this movie is? The story of this movie is so original and groundbreaking, I feel. Like, who would have thought that a story about, like, here's the story of what goes on inside a kid's head, inside a person's head, could be so poignant, so emotional, and so funny, so entertaining at the same time, Mm -hmm. that I just... I can't imagine what brought them to write this kind of story. It's, uh, like what happens in like, if you take out all of the inside of her head parts, Riley just has like one day of life where she like is moving to a new place and is sad about it and sad about it and tries to run away. And that's it. And then decides not to. And decides not to. It's pretty, you know, it's a little bit exciting, but if you just watch that, that would be kind of boring. But adding this aspect of her in her head and giving these emotions, and I mean, there's been some criticism of the five emotions that, like, obviously there are more than that in an actual person and stuff. But I think that that those five and like disgust seems like the one to me that's a little bit odd mm-hmm. of an inclusion in the five basic emotions. Yeah, but it works well, and it works, and it like I don't know, it makes for a good script. It does. I, I mean, I think there's, in terms of the discussing the writing of this movie, I think there's three aspects of it to discuss. Maybe we can discuss them separately. And they're, mm. you know, concept, plot, and screenplay dialogue, mm-hmm. right? In terms of concept, I think this is, I give them an awful lot of credit for originality and for, uh, Risk taking for mm. for ingenuity, ingenuity for uh, bravery. I give them a lot of points for courage in mm-hmm. terms of the kind of story that you choose to tell. This yeah. is not a typical animated story. Mm-hmm. And this is not. This is not safe. No, and I feel like Pixar had a really unusual year in 2015 when they had two movies come out. They had Inside Out and they had The Good Dinosaur. And the good dinosaur is not very good. Yeah, maybe but we'll it's talk the more, it and maybe we'll talk about it one day. But it's kind of like you feel like you hear a title like 
dinosaur and you're like, oh, that's going to be the car is going to be the one that all the kids are going to love and going to go see. And that's going to be the all the marketing and yada, yada. And it was not at all. Inside Out was way more popular and way better and a way more unusual and if you concept. like, The Good Dinosaur totally is the safe movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're doing the elevator pitch, the Hollywood elevator pitch, yeah. The Good Dinosaur. It's about a family of dinosaurs, they get separated, and he has to find his way home. Mm-hmm. I understand that movie, I know what it's about. Inside Out, it's about a 11-year-old girl's joy is trying to find its way through her mind because it symbolizes the fact that she is alienated from her own emotions because of a (laughs) fact that she's like, how do you even, how do you even pitch that? Pitch it. Yeah. And I like, so in terms of concept, I think the writing of this movie is Mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the best movies are hard to summarize, like, like inside out. I would say, Basically, all the best movies yeah. are hard to yeah. summarize. Yeah. Um, in terms of plot, what do you think of the plotting of this movie? Did they do a good job taking us through the whole story from beginning to end and the conflicts and all that jazz? I think they did. I think there's a couple moments where the contract conflict is a little bit contrived. Yeah. Going through the um, abstract thought. Going through abstract thought. Abstract thought thought is funny, and it's a good visual joke when they deconstruct and go two-dimensional, but there's no point to it. Yeah. They end up getting to the other side anyway really easily. It's not... They're never really in danger. They're... It's, like, just kind of a random event that happens. It doesn't really advance the plot at all. In a lot of ways, the the main plot of the story for Joy and Sadness is they're away from headquarters, they're trying to get back to headquarters. And they start out with their journey, with Sadness knows the way, Joy is following Sadness. They find Bing Bong and kind of deviate from that plan, not really for any good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, Except that Joy wants to take charge when Sadness doesn't. When Sadness... Yes. Yeah. The, what the built in way that they throw obstacles in the way of their journey that the islands keep collapsing mm-hmm. is good. Yes, absolutely. Um, agreed. The strong, the most, the clearest point where their journey gets delayed for just so that they can throw in a couple of gags is yeah. the abstract thought. Although I can understand their reluctance to cut that out because it's pretty funny. Yeah, exactly. It's a good <laughs> joke, a good visual, and yeah. Yep. Um, in terms of the screenplay, what do you think of, like, is this the dialogue? Is it well written in that sense? What do you think? I think there's a lot of funny, uh, dialogue. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the jokes are really are genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. I think of the, uh, the recurring joke of the toothpaste commercial. <laughs> Or the gum, gum commercial. commercial. Yeah. Triple dent gum will make you smile. Um, what is bad boy? <laughs> this one will never fade. <laughs> Triple dent gum will make you smile. The song from the gum commercial. You know, sometimes we send that one up to headquarters for no. Like, that's a really good joke. Yeah. Really well executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. I like uh, also an awful lot of the one liners about 
you know, psychology or uh, the philosophy of thought yeah. that get thrown in there. Like the, oh, all these opinions got mixed up with these ideas. All these opinions got mixed up with these facts. They look so alike. Eh, it doesn't happen all the time. And just put them back yeah, in the box. Yeah. Like, that's a quick joke that's yeah. and quite throw, funny. And frankly, thrown in there for the grown-ups because the kids aren't going to get that. But I appreciate that Pixar often does that without drawing too much attention to it and without it ever being like a crude joke. Yeah. It's just a clever, a very clever joke. Yeah. Thrown in there. And in some sense, that's what the abstract thought is also like Mm -hmm. for the kids, it's a visual joke. And for the adults, she's uh, understanding the abstract concept of loneliness because she's at a school without any friends and you abstract and deconstruct and you take, that's literally what Riley is. Processing. She's Mm -hmm. sitting by herself and she's understanding the concept that other people are also by themselves and the very idea of what it is to be lonely. Like, yeah. uh, That's, or the joke when they're on the uh, train and like, look, there's deja vu, there's higher reasoning, there's deja vu, there's, yeah. Like, that was, I think that was a bit of a, I don't know. That was a joke you didn't like. A joke I didn't like. I felt like it was a very obvious joke to make. There are a few obvious jokes. But again, Bing Bong is kind of an obvious joke character, so. It made me laugh. It it does make me laugh. Or the Bing Bong joke. I'm going to say one more joke that I think is pretty funny from Bing Bong, which is. Exactly, are you supposed to be? You know what's unclear? I'm mostly cotton candy, but shape wise, I'm part cat, part elephant, part dolphin. Dolphin? You gotta remember, when Riley was three, animals were all the rage. The cow goes moo, the horse goes neigh. That's all people talked about back then. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. What are you doing out here? <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, so I think it, in terms of that, it's really well written. Yeah, I agree. Um, so apart from the judging whether you think they did a good job, um, did you like this movie? Well, I think we already pretty much tipped our hand. <laughs> but- I love Inside Out. I think it is one of the best kids' movies, one of the best Pixar movies. Like, I'm trying to think of, of, of a kids' movie I like better right now. I mean, I guess I just saw it, so it's fresh in my mind, but there are so many parts of this that are my favorite and that add a lot. I enjoyed this movie an awful lot. Our kids both enjoy it an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Our kids, eight and six, both enjoy yeah. this movie. Quite a lot. That's their names, eight and six. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I think in the context of movies you and en- how much you enjoy it, there aren't a lot of kids' movies that uh, hit me in the feels as hard as Inside Out does. Yes. Is that why you enjoy it so much? Yes and no. It does, like, get me yeah, in the feels, as you say, a lot. Like, it does make me happy, make me sad. <laughs> As is, as is, yeah. <laughs> literally angry, what disgusted. it is. Angry, disgusted, scared. Um, but it also makes me think. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, when we first watched this movie in the theater, we were talking about it as a family for ages afterwards because there's so many depths to it. Yeah. And we'll get into that right away. Like, there's just a lot to it and it made, and it's not just that it makes me, you know, sad or whatever the way uh, kids' movies do. It's, it's, yeah, it's the complications of it and the, and even like the animation is beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. The characterizations of these characters are fantastic. So, yeah, 
the character design was great. The visuals are great. I mean, we didn't really talk about the quality of the animation when we were talking about quality, but let's just say super good. Yep. Basically, with a Pixar movie, I don't know it's that it's worth talking yeah. about the quality of the animation because it's, it's always, always stellar. Always stellar. Yeah. They aren't always top of the line in everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. But even and the we we smack talked the good dinosaur a second ago, but even that had fantastic, fantastic animation. animation. And I mean, that's the thing about Pixar movies I've noticed is really worth watching on the big screen. Yeah. Because recently there was a the new movie coming out is Coco. Yeah. It's about uh, the Day of the Dead, and. I saw a little like clip on like even my phone or on the computer and I was like, this looks really cool. And then we saw a trailer for it in the actual theater before one of the movies we saw. And I was like, whoa, look at the detail of this animation. I've got to see this in theater because like the texture of the bones looks amazing. And I'm really excited to see that movie because it just looks, it looks so good. And when we saw Inside Out in the theater, yeah. The fuzziness of joy looks like a stuffed animal or that like glows. Or like a Muppet. Exactly. Like Looks like she's made of felt. Yeah. Like you said, there's with Pixar, you don't even barely have to say, like, the animation is always good and beyond good. The yeah. best that's out there that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of that kind of animation. Uh, agreed. So let's get a little bit into the way too seriously of mm-hmm. this movie. And I want to start that by saying something about connected to why I enjoy this movie so much. Soon after we first watched, we saw Inside Out in theaters with mm-hmm. our kids. Yeah. Uh, and soon after we first watched it, we were in a completely different context, connected to a fundraiser for Alzheimer's. And our kids asked, what's Alzheimer's? And we said, it's when it's a dis- uh, brain disease. And it's like all their memories are going into the memory dump. No, it wasn't even that. You're telling it wrong. Okay, you tell <laughs> because it. Because it was, we're talking about Alzheimer's and I was struggling to explain it. I was like, you forget things, you can't remember things. Right. And it was, my, it was my daughter who brought up, oh, right. instant understanding. Her brain turned on, she goes, oh, it's like all of your memories are going into the memory dump, even the ones you want. And it was just like... Because of this movie, she could instantly understand the idea of brain, of a brain disease, yeah. and a disease like Alzheimer's in a way that I feel like you struggle to explain something like that to a kid. This movie made that so easy. And the other ways in which, like, right after this movie, we started doing, you know, what are your personality islands? What do you think your core memories are? And, you know, whether that's a real, you know, core memories are probably not actually how it works. But what do you think your core memories are? And to have our kids say to us and have like to think within ourselves, what shapes who I am? Yeah. And what has changed as I've grown older and what is changing in my kids as they grow older? And then to have them in a moment where they're feeling sad or feeling angry, express it in the terms of this movie, express like, who is at my control panel? It's sadness. Do you want it to be sadness or do you want it to be joy? Right. Do you want it to be, is it fear right now? You, fear doesn't have to be there sometimes, you know, like our kids really understand these concepts better. They understand psychology and their own psychology. And their own feelings and their own, like, like, they can say, I think sadness is just pushing on the console button for no reason. Yes. Like, it's not that something's wrong. 
they can express it exactly like sadness is just pushing on the console button. Mm-hmm. And then when they understand that, they can, so I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm going to go run around and feel better. Yeah. And like the major way that to talk about this movie, to, the reason that this is one of the best children's movies, according to me, and you also, mm-hmm. obviously, you've already said that, is how it has literally made me understand my kids' brains and like made them understand their own feelings mm-hmm. better. Better. And they can, it gives them a vocabulary to talk about their feelings. And, you know, our two kids, one of them is, uh, has a lot easier time expressing her feelings than the other. Mm-hmm. But for both of them. Yeah. It has really made a difference for how we can understand how they're feeling and how they can understand themselves. And like, how could I, so, I mean, so much to say. So there's a real world impact to this movie. And it is probably the best. I mean, okay. I don't personally struggle with depression. I have to have clinical depression. I, but I definitely have had my moments of, of depression in my past, but and I've been, but I've been told as well that this movie describes depression better than any other movie, any other fiction. You know, it's this idea that suddenly her personality islands go dark for, you know, for a reason. But it's not that she's sad. It's that she can't feel. Yeah. It's that all of her emotions are, are frozen there. And, and, and that that affects her whole personality and she can't, and she's struggling to get it back. And this is just like, it's a narrative to explain that. Yeah. And when we see sadness touch the, the little balls and make them blue, it's like, that's just, it's an explanation of what's happening to a child, to anyone's brain when suddenly a memory becomes a sad memory. Yeah. Suddenly, you know, someone dies and that memory of him, them is tainted with sadness. Some, they move to a new place and the memories of the old place don't have the same joy. They suddenly are tainted with sadness. And so we see that in this narrative. Yeah. In her brain. Yeah, absolutely. And the, what you said about, um, one of the things I love about this movie is the, the way that depression for Riley, like it is for real life. And I also, have never experienced clinical depression, but I have uh, experienced people who have and yeah. spoken to that. Um, but one of the things about clinical depression that I think this movie gets right, and people who know more than me say this movie gets right, is you know they don't have any feelings, and specifically that, or they can't express their feelings. They can't don't have access. You don't have access and feel your feelings, and therefore mm-hmm. you don't feel your personalities. And in this movie. The, the solution, the, uh, solution to Riley's depression isn't joy, it's sadness. Yes. Sadness isn't the opposite of depression, it's the solution to depression. Yes. Like that is, I mean, even for someone like me who doesn't have a personal experience with depression, that's profound and moving. Yes. And to recognize that sadness has its role and to be able to tell our kids it's okay to feel sad. And when, I mean, when Bing Bong dies, <laughs> Paul and I are crying, and the kids are crying, and I'm like, it's okay to feel sad. Look at how this whole movie is about this. I also think, in terms of what this movie 
is about and what it's doing so incredibly well is the idea of who you really are is a core idea in children's stories. Mm-hmm. And another movie that we hopefully we'll talk about someday that I think does this really well. Moana we watched mm-hmm. recently also does this well, but inside out does it better Yeah, it does. because who Riley is, is grounded in her memories and how she feels about them. And it grows and changes, but there's a continuity mm-hmm. like the, the, there isn't a real her, but also there is a real her and yeah. it demonstrates that in a really, I think, both truthful and moving and practically useful mm-hmm. way that like your memories are what control are what define you. But the you that is defined by your memories is a real you that really exists, mm-hmm. but it's not static. Like it deals with all those things at the same time and you watch inside out and then you come back to like, you know, uh, I'm not going to name a name, but the cliched, uh, children's cartoon that's like just be true to yourself and everything will be great mm-hmm. well this movie is showing in a really profound way what actually it means to be true to yourself yeah exactly yeah instead of just saying that as a as a trite cliche aphorism, yeah. as a trite aphorism it's actually what do you mean when you say be true to yourself mm-hmm. so let's get into a little bit of there are a few elements to be critical yep. in this and a few uh, moments where I'm, I kind of, you know, squint and tilt my head. So what's that right. for you in this? What do you notice? Well, I mean, the first thing that pops to my mind is the uh, imaginary boyfriend. Mm, right. And What don't you like about him? This is why I maybe want you to go first. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure I can put my finger on what I don't like about him. Hmm. Because on one sense... I can appreciate that he exists in her mind as an imaginary thing that is all about experimenting in, uh, mentally experimenting with the concept of developing romantic love and sexuality, mm-hmm. right? In the most benign way. Yeah. So I'm not sure what it, about it. It's possibly because we're watching it with our kids who are who are pre that and you don't want them to entirely see that. Possibly. Possibly that. I don't know. I need to give it more thought. Okay. Do you want to, do you oh, have so something well, you want to talk about right I away? Have a, I have a different thing I want to talk about, Go. which is a little bit. The parents relationship is, has a few elements of very stereotypical. Yep. You have the whole scene with Urt shows inside the parents head and the mom fantasizing about her Latin lover and the dad watching hockey and not listening to his wife. And I felt like those were a bit cheap, those jokes. Yeah. I liked seeing inside their heads, the two parents, and that they had huge consoles and all of their emotions were con- were stable yeah. and adult. Yeah. And that's, you know, like post-puberty, post-adolescence, this is what happens is you tend to have, and I mean, everyone has their own issues and their own things, but you do tend to settle down more emotionally post adolescence and know more about who you are. And so I liked that, but I did find that the cheap joke of yeah. the, of him not paying attention to his wife and watching hockey mentally instead and just 
that's that's just playing off of stereotypes that are that are tired. Yeah, and the parents are drawn very in very broad strokes, and it is a bit of a missed opportunity and a bit of a reinforcing of stereotypes that even when you see inside their heads, there isn't any hidden depth. Mm-hmm. They are no more than you could put that that dad in Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I've never actually seen Leave It to Beaver. No, not quite, because he is like. He does have a personality in that, like, he plays with Riley, he, they clearly, like, they have a good family dynamic in that, but there is just a couple of moments of stereotypes. I mean, in terms of his relation, in terms of the parents' relationships to Riley, what we see in this movie is a father who, uh, his interaction with his kid is, um, Silly goofing off or laying down the discipline law. Yeah. Right? And that's, yeah. He doesn't have a real emotional connection to her as shown in this movie. Mm. He has, yeah. you know, he interacts with her and and starts yeah. Goofball Island. And then he puts his foot down and yeah. sends her to her room. Yeah. Um, and the mother is the one who comes up and actually talks to her and is uh, connecting to her. That's playing right along stereotypes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wish wish we could have seen a little bit more of like obviously the parents are under a lot of stress, right? With this move as well, and I mean maybe that would be diverging from the plot too much, but it would have been nice to get a little glimpse of. And that's the moment in there in their when heads. we see inside their heads in that moment. Like if it had been a little bit more nuanced, what it who they are, and there's a hint. What we see inside their heads hint at some depth and nuance that's, frankly, you could mine a lot into it and come up with things that are not very encouraging that, or that you can come up with sad stories based Mm -hmm. on the little glimpse we have in their head. Like, we know Joy is the main one in charge of Riley, but who's the main one in charge of Riley's mom? Sadness. Sadness. Yeah. Sadness is her main driver. And it seems like maybe Anchor is the one in charge of the dad. Yeah, and both yeah. of those, frankly, are play along some stereotype mm-hmm. lines, but that might be okay if we saw even just a tiny bit more of who these people actually are. Yeah, absolutely. That said, though, it's not their story. Yeah. That is also true. There is, at the very, very end, they show all these, like, cutesy little clips of, like, look inside this person's head and this person's head and this person's head. And there's the bus driver who is, when you look inside his head, his four, his five emotions are all anger. Yeah. And he just gets really angry. And I felt like, and it was the same, like, they show inside the dog's head and the cat's head. And yeah. the dog, dog and cats have more emotions than this, bus, than this driver. bus driver. And I was like, that's kind of a dehumanizing of someone is that like, oh, those bus drivers, they're always angry and honking. And so we're going to portray one as angry and honking. And it's kind of classist. Yeah. Right. And yeah, exa- yeah, it's classist and, and, and annoying. And it's, and it's just a cheap joke. That when you dig beneath the surface ever so slightly, you go, oh, no, that's not cool. It's the kind of thing that, if we're going to take things way too seriously, way too seriously, it's the kind of thing that happens a lot in 
TV and movies because TV and movies are made by artists and they tend to assume that anyone who isn't an artist is one-dimensional, boring, and unsatisfied mm-hmm. and unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. So someone who does menial labor uh, is not even worth not worth being, not worth thinking about, not a fully developed person, and the only people who are fully developed people are artists. Mm. And this movie doesn't go take that next step, but it's no. a thing that happens a lot in yeah in fiction fiction because the people who create fiction are all artists yeah right? exactly um and they can't imagine I mean the good ones can mm-hmm. but the less good ones can't imagine how you could be a bus driver but also a rounded satisfied person yeah right? exactly yeah agreed yeah that's a moment of I mean even the uh even the teacher, uh, her life is unsatisfied. She's like six, five more weeks till summer vacation. Yeah, yeah. Even the clown, who that is a kind of performing art. Yeah. But like, I went to drama school for this. I haven't, I'm not satisfied yeah, or you're right. happy in my life because I'm not working for Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does like, feel like a, that. If yeah. you went to drama school, what you want to do is do voices for a Pixar movie. And if you're not doing that, you haven't achieved what you should achieve and you should be unhappy with your life. Yeah, that is for sure. In terms of race, is there anything worth talking about in this movie? Like, perhaps the main fam, the main character has to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, yet another story about a white family. Yeah. It gets some minor points for the cast aren't all white. Yeah. Uh, but. Like, there's no reason that Riley couldn't be... Yeah. That Riley has to be white. Yeah, that she could be any other uh, So, there's a bit There's of a bit of that, yeah. That... There are other characters of color, a few, like the teacher and stuff, but there's not a lot. I mean, and it... There's not a ton of human characters, so it's no. hard. It's, you know... Yeah, there's not a ton of human characters, so you have to think about the emotions. Are they all white actors and coded white and no no uh they're not yeah so, so there's that yeah um i mean it's very heteronormative very heteronormative everyone's straight and assumed to be straight and- yeah it's what's interesting uh that i've actually had this pointed out i read somewhere so i'm not this entirely original but in the father's brain the mother's brain all of the emotions are women. All of the emotions are men. In Riley's brain, it's half and half. Yeah. Or two of the emotions are male or seem male. Yeah. And so and played it's by like, male actors. Yeah, and played by male actors. And so you had this young girl with this kind of mix in her head and this idea of maybe, you know, she hasn't fully decided who she is yet. She hasn't really, yeah. you know, she's still developing those and, ideas. And certainly even apart from gender... Uh, the parents' emotions are all look much more like each other mm-hmm. than Riley's yeah. emotions look like each other. And yeah. I think that absolutely is about she's deciding who she is and learning who she is and growing and she's yeah. going to become her, her, what you said about the parents' emotions are more stable. Mm-hmm. Riley's emotions are going to become more stable between them not just each one more stable but more stability between them as she gets older because that's what happens to a human being yes she i love that she plays hockey yeah i think that's a fantastic character note it's an unusual thing for a little girl to be doing in a movie i don't know if any other movie 
yeah. for little girls playing hockey. And as a Canadian, it's kind of like, hey, she's playing hockey. Woo-hoo. You know, and this is, by the way, and it's oh. Minnesota. Sorry, I was gonna say one more thing. It's about Minnesota, which also movies tend to be about either coast. They're about New York. They're about LA. This one is. I mean, she goes to California, but it's San Francisco. Yeah, and she's from Minnesota, but she's not. You know, backwards hick from Minnesota, or like you know, like yeah. all these stereotypes you get of like Middle America are all just backwards, and they're not that at all. I was gonna say. The thing about hockey is worth drawing attention to also because it makes perfectly the point that you give a girl a characteristic like that she likes hockey, not just because you want uh, a pat on the head and a cookie by people who are against gender roles, but mm. also because it makes her interesting. She's not yeah. a cliche out of like, and this mm. is why the father and the mother in their heads when they conform strictly to the gender roles, it's damaging and has, there's issues of social justice, but there's also just issues of character and narrative. And mm-hmm. the less cliched a character is, the more interesting they are. Mm-hmm. And she likes hockey and it's good that she likes sports. And it's even better that it's hockey and not baseball because we've seen kids who like baseball before. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. Have we seen any kid? Have we seen any kids movie where the, main kid was obsessed with hockey like uh there wasn't a hockey movie yeah there wasn't a hockey you know like Mighty Ducks or that kind of thing but like a movie that where it could be plot wise any sport but let's make it hockey Mm -hmm. that's a detail yeah details make the story more interesting and it's you know you should have your characters subvert gender expectations because real people don't follow under fall under gender expectations and because representation matters and seeing someone on the screen who is like you is important for that one kid who feels like she's alone for liking hockey. Yeah. But you should also do it because specificity is the soul of narrative and yeah. people are stories are more interesting when they're specific and yeah. unique. Exactly. Yes. Anything else to say about the problematics or criticism of this movie? I think that's it. That's it for me. So, judgment of the movies. Is it good? Is it seriously good? For Inside Out, what's our verdict here? Is this movie good? Absolutely. It's so good. 100% good. (laughs) 100% certified good. Yep. Is it seriously good? Yes. Yes. Tiny problems. Tiny, especially compared to other movies. Minuscule problems, one one percent of problems. It is ninety nine percent seriously good. It is ninety nine percent seriously good, and the problems that we did point out are such a fraction of the movie. Such a fraction of the movie, and such a like. This is another reason, though, why you should uh, why movies need to stop following cliches. Is if there were ten movies that existed that didn't make these same problems then they wouldn't be even problems at all in Inside yeah, Out. They're exactly. only problems because it's the hundredth movie you've seen that has done this. Yeah. And so it doesn't bear all the bl- all the blame for yes. falling into those same things, though it does bear some blame. But yeah. 100% good, 99% seriously good. Uh, yep. Two jams up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jam Moffat. And this has been Way Too Seriously. If you like this podcast, please rate it and review it on iTunes. That helps people find it, and that helps us a lot. 
You can find us on Twitter at WTScast. Tell us what's your favorite kids' movie and any thoughts you have about Inside Out. You can also support us on Patreon. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast, which is named after our other podcast. And you can donate there as little as a dollar a month to help support us in our podcasting efforts to help make this podcast better and to help us make more podcasts. Thank you very much. Bye.